Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. Today, we're excited to break down the importance of creating and documenting a plan that generates results for your business. It may sound rudimentary, but far too many businesses skip this step. It's episode 23, How to Create a Marketing Plan with Cody Butler, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So, Chris, no happy hour is complete without a beverage in your hand. Chris, what are you drinking during this happy hour? So I am sticking local again. I think that's a few weeks in a row now, but I'm not drinking a sour this time. It's actually an IPA. I went with Tampa Bay Brewing Company's Old Elephant Foot, which is, of course, local to the area. What about you, Ryan? So this time of the year, it is, obviously, we talk about Oktoberfest, and I had the chance, uh, actually, on my honeymoon, went to Munich as part of it and experienced Oktoberfest, and it's fantastic. It's worth everybody going to at least once in your life. So with that, I am having a HB Hofbra, and it is uh, bringing back some memories. So that's what I'm drinking during this happy hour. Well, Chris, I think this is an episode that shouldn't be skipped because a lot of people do skip how to create and document a marketing plan. So without further ado, Chris, bring in Cody. Cody Butler is widely accepted as one of the world's leading experts on small business marketing and business growth. Cody's worked with over 5,000 businesses to date. He's the author of Got Attitude, and his latest book, The 90-Day Marketing Plan, is designed to help small business owners create an effective marketing plan, even in these difficult times. Cody's coming to us all the way from down under in Sydney, Australia. Cody, welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Thanks, guys. I very much appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you very much. So it's a bit early in Sydney right now, but assuming it was a happy hour time, what's your go-to drink? But uh, it's an Australian drink called lemon, lemon and lime bitters. It's kind of like uh, it's just, it's like lemonade with a, a, a ginger ale in it. I, I, I'm I'm teetotal. I don't drink alcohol, so that's kind of what I go to. All right, I like it. I like I it. I do eat steak though. If anybody's wondering, so <laughs> you go, can I buy you a drink? I'm like, no, you can't buy me a drink, but you can buy me a steak. <laughs> <laughs> good. By the way, great beef in Australia. Some good beef. Yep, yeah, sure. Very good. So, Cody, for our audience who might not be quite familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in in marketing and maybe even some of that entrepreneurial space. Yeah, so so I started as an entrepreneur really, really quite young, simply because I, I realized I think it was about the age of 11 that if I wanted more, I was going to have to do more. So when I, when I was 11 years old, I wanted a bicycle. I remember it was, it was, I was, this was in England, so it was 200 pounds. It was about $250, $300, something like that. And my allowance was about a dollar, dollar fifty a week. So even an 11-year-old could do the math that it's going to take 200 weeks of saving everything I get to buy this bike. And there was, that was just unacceptable. So I figured out very early on that if I, wanted, if I wanted what I want out of life, if I wanted to get what I really want out of life, if I was going to get it, then I had to do more. So I picked up a bucket and a sponge and just started knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, 
uh, I'll wash your car for $5. And then that turned into I'll mow your grass. And before you know it, I had that bike. And that, that's where it kind of started for me was I realized that I could have so much more out of life by being an entrepreneur. I kind of got the bug at that point. And it's been a, 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 an ongoing journey, really, of, of success and failure and success and failure and, and getting to the point where I really kind of understand business, you know, to where I can pretty much take any business and make it a success these days. We hear that story so often with startups, and I mean, everybody looks at it as the overnight success because they don't see the 10 or 15 years that preceded that, right? Um, I'm curious, though, we've seen a lot of individuals that end up in different areas of business, and you've got a lot of expertise on the marketing and growth side. How did you wind up there? Okay, so with everything like marketing, and really, I would say, you know, life in general, there's a lot of parallels between life and, and, and businesses. You want to start with the end in mind. So I didn't... I started a digital marketing business for a couple of reasons, but one was like I had a list of criteria of what I wanted in a business and I was agnostic to the business itself. So I said, okay, well, I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world. I want to be able to work from just a laptop. I want to be able to work remotely. It has to be this amount of income minimum. It has to be high ticket. It has to be real. I went through you know, a whole bunch of different criteria that have to be present in a business. And then I worked, started to work backwards from there. And say, okay, well, what criteria? You know, it has to be free of government regulation and stuff like that. Started to work backwards from there, and uh, instead of going, I want this business, and then kind of t- taking a shoehorn and try and make the business fit what it is that I want it to do. It's like, well, let's 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 look at a business that does exactly what I want it to do, and then that's going to be a much much better fit. So that's kind of how I look at things. Start with the end in mind. What do you actually want, and then look at the best solution to get what you want instead of deciding, you know, picking something, a business or an opportunity, and then trying to make that fit what you want, which it probably isn't going to do. When you're dealing with entrepreneurs or startups or just working with them, what are some of the areas that you see that they're just, that that you've noticed your experience that they're lacking or that they're they're missing, um, even if it's just foundational? Yeah. So it's, so most people go into business, it seems like they have a, a skill or a passion or they're in a job that they're exceptionally good at. And they start a business because they can see that, they can have more. They think that they can have more by starting a business. They can have more finances, more freedom, stuff like that. And they get to do what it is. So they tend to be very good at something. We were talking before the show and you mentioned, you know, they tend to be very good at something, deliver, delivery of a product or service. And they think that that's going to be sufficient to carry them, carry them through. So it's the whole build it and they will come scenario, which just isn't true at all. It's like build it and you'll go broke is, is more accurate. So uh, a lot of business owners, they, they take what limited capital they have going into business and they put all of it into creating the product or getting the business open and, and marketing really is just an afterthought. They don't think about how this product or service is actually going to get into the marketplace, which is a huge mistake. They just think that business will show up, you know, magically somehow. So, uh, you know, they, they, they simply don't have a plan when it comes to actually marketing their business. They simply don't have one at all. Yeah, I think we see that you know pretty often in terms of uh, they've spent all their money on the operational side, and then they're trying to cut corners on the marketing budget, and they kind of revert almost to a traditional marketing sense where they want to print flyers, and they think handing that out is going to have an impact. When you're brought in to consult with a business like that, what's the first thing that you do to help them realize sort of the the big picture goals and where they need to go? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's it's the 80 20 printable it's, it's the Pareto distribu- distribution the 80 20 principle if anyone is not familiar with that then it's it says that says the 80% of your results will come from 20% of your input so 80% of your sales will come from 20% of your products 80% of those sales will come from 20% of your sales team uh, 
80% of your leads will come from 20% of, of, of your marketing channel. So it's like, it's identifying what are the high impact activities in your business? What are the 80, 20 activities? So who are your best, who's the 80, 20 of your, of your customers? Who's, who are your best customers? What's the 80, 20 of your products? What are the most valuable products in terms of revenue, profit, stuff like that? What is the 80, 20 of what you're doing in terms of going to market? So, uh, really no business, especially a small business doesn't have the resources to, to be on every marketing channel. They don't have the resources, you know, they're, they're trying to do too much with too little. So it's like focus on your best products, your best people, your best routes to market and put all, all of your focus on that. And then take the 80% that you're wasting and reinvest it into the 20% that's working. So you're going to get uh, effectively, you're going to get a 500% increase in results for, for no additional resources. It's just simply a reallocation of existing resources into a more effective area of your business. You wrote the 90-day marketing plan, and it's something that just seems to be lacking even in 2020, especially for the small to medium-sized businesses. What inspires you to, to write this? You know, I've worked with over 5,000 businesses now, and it's like, you know, as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. So when, when, I, when I first really started getting into marketing and I worked for a marketing agency, it was, really, it was a pretty horrific situation for me. I mean, I was, I was thrown into a situation where they neglected a bunch of clients and, and it was my job to retain those clients to get them back. So, you know, fortunately, there were a bunch of successful clients within that agency. So I started uh, examining what they were doing and started to see some patterns amongst what they were doing and started to apply those results the businesses that I was working with and, and they, they all got the results. And then, uh, you know, over, over working with other 5,000 businesses now, I see the same things, the same mistakes and the same results happening. Like I said, success leaves clues. So the, the thing that most businesses don't really understand is that marketing is the money part of your business. No marketing equals no money. Great marketing equals great money. There's a direct relationship between the, 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 the skill level of your marketing and the money that your business produces. Marketing is the money aspect of your business. So business owners don't really understand that. So they put their focus in the wrong place. They put their focus on systems. They put their focus on products. They put their focus on bookkeeping, you know, any one of a hundred things they can put their focus on, but they don't put their focus on, on marketing. So I would say like the average business owner should be spending at least 70% of their time on sales and marketing, at least bare minimum. I, I spend probably 90% of my time on sales and marketing. The other 10% or, or the rest of the business, I give it to somebody else because those skills can be, can be purchased. But the sales and marketing part can't. So whereas most business owners, I would say they spend probably 10% of their time on sales and marketing and 90% of time on the business. So they need to flip that around. There's a lot of data that's come out about uh, when you know economies enter recession, the first budget that gets cut is the marketing budget. And the data has historically proven what a disaster that is because that's actually Absolutely. the time when you need to be spending more money to kind of get yourself in front of people. Yes. When you have those conversations, I would imagine that's shocking to some of these business owners, particularly in the time division as well as the resource division and, yeah. and money. Yeah. How do you help them make the transition to focus in the right areas? Because there's, there's lots of elements of marketing, right? I yeah. mean, in terms of you got to have your budget, but before you can do any of that stuff, you've got to be able to identify the audience. I think, you know, we've seen a yeah. lot of organizations that don't can't even accurately identify who their top five customer or customer types are. So right. how do you, you know, how do you begin that mindset shift? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So the, the first thing is like, when, when somebody says to me, we don't have the budget for that, 
that tells me that they have no idea what marketing is. So, so like if I ask you the question, hey, if you give me a dollar, I'll give you $2 back. Do you want to make that deal? You know, the answer is yes, of course. You know, you give me a dollar, I'll give you $2 back. Of course, I want to make that deal. Well, the next question is, well, how many times do you want to make that deal? You, you decide. You can make that deal as many times as you want to. You tell me how many times you want to make that deal and, and I'll do it for you. You're not going to say, well, I, you know, I want to do it 500 times because my budget's limited to $500. You're going to go, well, if I give you a dollar, you get two, if I give you a dollar, I get $2 back and I can do that as many times as I want to. And I'm like, yep, well, how many times can I do it? You know, so when someone says we don't have the budget or that's not in our budget, what they're actually saying is we've set aside X amount of money to lose this year to feel as though we're doing something to progress the business. That's what they're saying. They're saying we don't understand marketing at all, but we've set aside this amount of money that we're happy to lose this year. Because if they understood, it's like I just said, why would you, why would you limit that deal? So the, the real question or the question you want, the, the point you want to get to is not how much is this going to cost, but the question you should be asking me or asking yourself is how much can I spend? That, that's the real question. So when you, when you start asking questions of yourself like that, how much can I spend? Then, then you know your marketing is working. Because at the end of the day, like the goal, the goal with marketing is to create a vending machine, is to create a predictable way to, to buy customers. Basically you have a business when you can buy a $2 customer for a dollar. That's when you actually have a business. That that's what a business is. And you can replicate that with predictability and scalability. So you want to, you want to get to the, that point. And once you get to that point, then the question is not, you know, it, it's how much money can I spend? If I, if I get $2 back for every dollar I spend, how much can I spend? What other platforms can I scale this to? Where can we go with this? So it, it's making business owners think like that. That's, that's the first thing is making them understand that, hey, if you're asking the question, how much is this going to cost? You're still not there mindset-wise. You're still not seeing what marketing is. So that, that would be the first thing I would say is get them to start at least thinking in those terms. Once they start thinking in those terms, I would think yeah. you'd have to document this in, in some form of creating that, that plan. Yet we're finding a lot just are not for whatever reason it is, yes. do you find for those businesses that don't have some sort of tangible plan and when they don't, it feels like they just do things, you know, on a whim because they have a yes. gut feeling about yeah, it. Is it because of a lack of an internal process? Is it because they lack leadership and maybe that ties in and maybe it's a little bit of both, but what have you seen in your opinion? I think they just don't know. They, they, they just don't know. It's, it's, you know, the client avatar is super important. I mean, it's like we just, we just talked about it. It's, it's, you know, who's your best customer? What motivates them? You know, where, where are they? I mean, if you can define your audience, you can find your audience. That, 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 that's key. If you can define who your audience is, I mean, especially with social media there, I mean, you can, you can give me a list of criteria as long as you want. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You can tell me, you know, male, female, how old, where did they, where were they educated? What are their purchasing habits? What TV shows do they like? What books do they read? It doesn't matter. Give me, give me a list as long as you like, and I'll, and I'll find those people for you online. <laughs> the, if we can define our audience, we can find our audience. And, and, you know, it all starts with like a lack of clarity. I mean, focus, Clarity is a, is a force multiplier in your business and a force multiplier in your life. Once you start to get clarity, that multiplies the force of all other activities. So instead of, you know, putting a very general message out to a very general audience, which really doesn't land anywhere, if you try to be all things to all people, you'll be no thing to anybody. 
you know, when, when you become, try to become a very specific thing to a very specific person, then that multiplies the effects of everything else down the road from that. Your message becomes, you know, it becomes cheaper to deliver because you're not targeting everybody. You're targeting a very limited number of people, only your best buy, only your best possible prospects. So in the 90 day marketing plan, I talk about identify your prospects who have prioritized expenditure towards your product. So that there are two types, you know, there, there can be two seemingly identical prospects. Like I, I'll give you an example that I use in the book. I think it's uh, dental implants. So I've, I've done a lot of work with dental implant dentists and, and we know from experience that the best prospect for a dental implant procedure is a woman over the age of 50. If you have two women aged 50, one is single and her clock is ticking and she's looking to find love and she thinks that her poor teeth are stopping her from finding love, which is her heart's desire versus a housewife who's still got kids at home and a husband and stuff like that. Which one's going to prioritize the expenditure of those dental implants? They, they both seem to be the same prospect. They're both a woman age 50, similar situations, you know, similar income, similar area, similar class, similar everything. But for, for the woman who is single, she's identified that your solution or, or the problem that your, your solution solves is stopping her getting the one thing that she wants the most. So she's going to prioritize her expenditure towards that solution. Whereas the other woman doesn't, hasn't prioritized expenditure because it would be a nice to have for her. So one client or one prospect is this is a must. The other one, it's a nice to have. So if it's going to cost you a hundred dollars to reach that person, do you want to reach somebody who your solution is a must for, or do you want to reach somebody who your solution is a nice to have for? You've got to identify, you've got to go deeper than just, you know, my prospect is a male or female, the age of X, who does this and, you know, whatever. It's like, you've got to start to uncover what motivates them to buy, what drives them to buy. And if you can do that, then your your conversion rates just go through the roof. You just hit on something that we've talked about on this podcast extensively, which is the importance of knowing your audience. And yeah. it's it's it has to be done at a granular level. You have to have, yeah. even more so than the demographics, the psychodra- psychographics, the driving factors, right? Fears and motivations that cause yeah. purchasing decisions. I'm curious, Ryan and I did a podcast several months ago now where we sort of outlined what we called the five you know, steps to a marketing campaign. And essentially what we outlined were, you know, starting with with your goals in mind and goals have to be very specific and very measurable, understanding who your audience is. Then we got into the strategies that you outline and then the breakdown of tactics and then the importance of measuring the results so that you can make changes over time. How does that align with what you talked about in your book about a marketing plan in general? Because I think there's a lot of concepts that overlap there. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great point. So look, let me just say something like marketing is not difficult. It's not complex, but you, you, a lot of business owners are made to believe it's complicated and difficult because that's what people that sell stuff need them to believe. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, it's like, let, let's talk about direct mail, for example. I mean, how hard is it to lick a stamp and put it on an envelope and send it out? It's like, it's technically not difficult, right? <laughs> you know, what, what's difficult is understanding who to send it to and what to say in that letter. Those are the things that are difficult. So it, it's, it's like you say, I mean, you said you, you made a very good point there, the order that you, you outlined, it's like the tactics come last. 
because the tactic is you, you write on a piece of paper, you stick it in an envelope, you put a stamp on it and you put it in a mailbox. Those are the actual tactics. And to be honest with you, a lot of the marketing platforms, advertising platforms out there, such as Facebook and Google and stuff like that, they're not much more complicated than that. You know, at, at their core level, people make them sound a lot more complicated because if you knew how simple that they really were, it would be kind of difficult to sell products teaching those things. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we've come across too in, in uh, experience is a lot of these business owners still have uh, confusion and blurred lines between strategy and tactics and yeah. still a lot believe the tactic is the strategy. And I, I love talking about here through this is you have to start with your plan of attack. You have to start with your strategy yeah. before you can go yeah. right into that Facebook ad campaign or that PPC campaign or whatever yeah. it is. Is that something that you've seen there's issues with on your end or? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. I mean, like people think people go, oh, LinkedIn doesn't work or like, Facebook doesn't work. I'm like, what, how, what do you mean it doesn't work? It's like their job is to deliver a message to a person that they're, they're like the mailman. It's like, you know, it's like you've got no money coming in the, in, in the mail. So you go, the mailman's broken. The mail system's broken. It's like, it's not broken at all. It's, it, it, the, the mail has delivered a message to you or, you, or, or is delivered. And that's, that's what Facebook is supposed to do. That's all AdWords is supposed to do. That's all LinkedIn is supposed to do. It's like it's to, deli- to deliver a message to a person of your choosing. So when people go, it doesn't work, what they're actually saying is, well, my messaging is not working or I haven't identified my target accurately. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of LinkedIn. The thing with LinkedIn is it's the greatest list in the world. I mean, you can you can identify exactly who you want to talk to in a B2B environment. And then it gives you the ability to, to, to talk to them immediately. <laughs> so it's like, well, LinkedIn has just put you in contact with the most qualified prospects that you've told them that you want to be in front of. Now it's your job to actually start talking. It's like, it's like going on a date, isn't it? Somebody can introduce you to a girl or a guy, but you've got to, you've got to talk. You've got to step, sell yourself at the end of the day. You know, it's like, it, it's very similar to that. So yeah, mo- most people, you know, it's like they say, if they spoke their mind, there'd be silence. It, it, it's kind of like that in, in, in marketing. It's like, you, you've got to figure out what you want to say. You've got to figure out like what the benefits are that you, you're offering. And you've got to figure out how to communicate that very, very quickly. Once you know that, once you know how to communicate and get somebody's attention and, and, in, and, and let them know that you can solve a problem that they're willing to, to pay for, then those, pro- those platforms become very, 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 very effective. So I say, if you want to make a fortune, it, it's really simple. You want to make all the money in the world. It's, it's simple. It's like, here's, there, there are two steps, right? Uh, find, find a solution to a problem that people are willing to pay for and sell it to them. You know, they're, they're, talking to you guys, and both of you have got problems you would be willing to pay for solutions for right now. It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter how bad things are out there. Both of you guys have got problems that you are willing to pay for solutions for right now. So the you know, the, the, the smart entrepreneur or, or the smart entrepreneur has to do is figure that out and offer that solution and boom, money's coming in in any economy. When it comes to understanding the problems and buyer personas or yeah. um, ICAs, you hear them. Yeah. yeah. What are some tips that people can use to better identify their persona and understand yeah. their problems? Great, great. Yeah. So I call it peeling the onion. So you've got to keep peeling the layers of the onion back. So it's like, you know, say, hey, hey, Ryan, you started a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, you started. Well, why did you start a podcast? 
because you wanted to achieve something. Well, why, why did you want to achieve that? What was the purpose of that? Well, we're looking to grow the business. Well, why do you want to grow the business? Well, because we're looking for some more time freedom or financial freedom. Well, what would you do with that time or financial freedom? Right. So now we're getting to what's motivating you. So let, let's just say you want to, you know, you want to spend more time on vacation. We, we peel the onion and go back. And, and the reason you started the podcast ultimately is because you want to spend more time on vacation. Now I need to start talking about that. So it's like, hey, so if we could start to take some of the business process off your hands and we could get you more vacation time, is that a conversation you'd be interested in having? So now, now we're talking specifically to the outcome that you're looking for versus the processes that you've put in place that you probably don't care about very much. You've only put them in place because they're the means to get the outcome that you want, right? Everybody, everybody is looking for a solution for a reason. So it's like, uh, you know, the, the, the dental implant example. It's like, okay, well, well, lady, why do you want dental implants? You know, because I want to feel more confident. Well, why do you want to feel more confident? Because I want to start dating. Well, why do you want to start dating? Because I'm lonely. Well, what? You know, it's like, okay, now now we're getting to. <laughs> <laughs> the core motivating driving factor that's going to drive the decision that's going to you know if you if you just start talking to somebody about dental implants it's going to bore them in a second if you start talking to them about how they, you can help them get the outcome that they're ultimately looking for which in this case would be connection companionship stuff like that now they're listening now you're having a conversation that they're interested in having with you so peel the onion is the answer to the question peel the you know ask keep ask keep going deeper and deeper and deeper well why is that important to you why is that important what outcome do you hope to get from that? Well, why is that outcome important? And why, you know, just, just keep going deeper and deeper until you actually get to the core. You hit on a couple things that are continuing themes on the podcast. Uh, the first, you know, talking about platforms and, you know, where you've heard clients say LinkedIn doesn't work or Facebook doesn't work. You know, <laughs> Ryan and I talk about, uh, we actually, a few weeks ago, we're on the discussion of certain topics like there, there'll be articles that show up, email marketing is dead or SEO is dead. And I, I think to your point, the medium is yeah. not dead. The medium is still very valid. It's the messaging yeah. or the way you're choosing to yeah, yeah. relay information to that audience. So, I mean, once you know the audience is developing the importance of content, which is something you were just talking about, you know, once you know who the audience is, you're trying to either sort of feed into their motivations or assuage their fears. Yeah. So content yeah. becomes a big component of that. Oh, yeah. And I think the real benefit that you get from that is that you should always have a marketing budget, but marketing doesn't have to be expensive if you're deploying those tactics. What are some of the things you advise with businesses to recommend solutions for that that really aren't, you know, costly? Yeah, so that's that's a great point. So content, you know, you know, you, you know there's lots of buzzwords in marketing, right? Content is king, but it is. It really is when you understand it. And and things things don't change in in the in the marketing world very much people go oh, everything's changed in seo google keep changing the rules no 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 they, the rules have always been the same they, they just find ways to enforce the rules and stop your cheating is what you mean <laughs> so look there, there are great platforms out there so the, the first thing i'll say is you've got to really understand how does your audience consume content so what do i mean by that so for example i've, I've worked with marketing agencies heavily i've worked with dentists heavily dentists to be a dentist, you have to be a very good reader. You have to be able to, you have to be able to read, right? I mean, to get through medical school, you have to be able to read. So giving video content to dentists doesn't really work. They like, they like words. They like written content. They like PDFs. They like stuff like that. Whereas the marketing agencies, they tend to be not so heavily, you know, they haven't been set through so much education and they tend that they tend to be not such avid readers, but they tend to be more into video content. So for the marketing agencies, I produce video content. If I'm working with dentists or 
lawyers or uh, you know somebody that's highly educated you have to be an excellent reader to be a lawyer you can't be a poor reader and become a lawyer you have to be an excellent reader so we know that they like written content so first is identify how does your audience consume content is it is it going to be through a blog is it going to be or is it you know through video is it through radio like you know an older audience might like you know radio star stuff like podcast so figure out how they consume content and then pick a platform so if you you know video content you can distribute through youtube through through facebook if it's written content you can distribute it through a blog if it's radio style content audio content you can dis- distribute it through a podcast and these these means are free so your goal is to give a prospect the ability to binge on you if they want to so if somebody comes into contact with you like let's say somebody's watching this interview and they're coming into contact with me for the first time they could spend the next 2 days of their life just watching videos of me if they want to they they could binge for 2 days if they want to it's like give them the opportunity to get to know you if they want to do that without them raising their hand and becoming invisible and, and scaring them so if somebody contacts me and says hey can you send us some more information about what you do there's a fear that they're going to be bombarded with sales material right but if they type in Cody Butler and they go to YouTube or Facebook they can spend 2 days consuming content you know anonymously with no risk whatsoever so you want to give people that opportunity so YouTube's awesome for that Facebook's awesome for that uh, just pick your platform whatever whatever you want to do and make an effort to put content out you can't put content out too too often you know i try to do a video a day i'm committed to 3 videos a week now but whatever whatever you can do right whatever you can do is better than nothing have you seen a change in your business as you started implementing more and more video oh absolutely absolutely so I don't get mass distribution on my videos. I mean, I I post a video on Facebook or I do a video on YouTube and it might have 50 people watch it. But if those are 50 pe- people that are interested in what I'm doing, that's fine, you know. It's like people look at the gurus or the or the leaders in their industry and they're saying, "Oh, they've got, you know, 100,000 followers and they're getting 50,000 views a video or 100,000 views a video." It's like it doesn't matter. Don't let that stop you because what you'll find or what I find at least anyway is although those viewers might be low, it it's your best prospects you know the the number of people that i've spoken to on on a call who've actually actually booked a call and said that they start talking about videos they say oh i like what you said in that video i like what you did in that interview or i love your attitude on that and it's like i start to realize i'm like they've consumed an awful lot of the videos i've put out so even though that the actual consumption is not that high in terms of it's not getting tens of thousands of views it's like the people that are interested are consuming a lot of it and that becomes very very profitable for me so it's it's the number one thing in the book really is like the biggest mistake is is a lack of follow up you not giving prospects an opportunity to engage with you for long enough to make the sale so somebody that's you know interested today but not in a position to make a decision if i'm putting out great quality content two or three times a week every week and they stay engaged for 6 months then they you know a lot of people will make that buying decision 6 months or 12 months down the road it's purely the content that has kept them engaged so yeah absolutely the the the, the content is zeros on my business have you seen any shifts either in the work you're doing or the work you're doing with clients during this we're in the middle of a global pandemic right now and so the way people are consuming yeah. information uh i think it shifted a little bit have you seen changes as a result of that Yeah I mean it's more important than ever to, to be an edutainer as Tony Robbins said you know pe- people are you know people are being forced to work from home right now so you've got like very you know let, let's just say establishment based employees that are used to working under supervision now they're at home 
And you know, do, do you really think they're working eight hours a day or are they on Facebook, on YouTube, stuff like that? So yeah, so like the, the, the consumption of content is going up for sure. And it, it's important. I think you want to entertain and educate that. That's really the, the goal right there is if you can entertain somebody like this, this podcast is a great example. It's like someone is going to be entertained and educated simultaneously. You know, most people are not, they're not listening to this in their car or on their iPhone while they're walking or exercising simply because they want the information. It's it's entertaining as well as educational. So when you put those two together, it's like that, that's the magic formula right there, entertain and educate. And if you want the real trifecta, inspire. So entertain, educate and inspire. It's like, so you've entertained the person, you've educated them, you've given them some steps to take, now inspire them to go and take those steps or motivate them. If you can put those three elements into your content, educate, entertain, and inspire, people are going to want to be around you. They're going to want to be involved with you. 100%. And, and I think you kind of mentioned it before. Uh, to summarize, it's about the quality of your audience. It's not the quantity. And everybody gets so caught up in those 100,000. And it's if, if you look at it through that lens you're defeated before you even published your first content, uh, you know, piece yeah. out there. And I, I think you're right. It, it, you 50 people, but it, you know, those 50 people, if they're calling you mentioning, I saw your video and you get the, the analytics, you know, well, there's not a lot of people, but if you're yeah. viewing it, then that's, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Cause that's what affects your bottom line, not 100,000, you know, Instagram no. followers or with a last name Kardashian. It doesn't have to be that way. Exactly. Uh, right with it. The other thing, you know, Chris mentioned with the global pandemic and, in the, you know, and something that nobody alive uh, has seen in the past and not with the technology that we have anyway of how everybody's life has had to change. So we've seen businesses begin a digital transformation already that already happened, but we never saw the, the, the speed at which businesses, yeah. schools, grocery stores, yeah. everything got in light speed, something you'd see out of Star Wars. Just it, it was it, it, it was affected <laughs> all of us here. Still dizzy. It is. Yeah. And through that, we've also seen businesses incorporate more automation and, and you know, that yeah. marketing automation as, as well. Have you noticed any trends from the marketing automation side of things with with marketing and and how does that affect their their plan? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the average business is just they're not they're not even really aware of automation and how what it is, how it works, and how they can benefit from it. So I think you know to some extent there's uh, a lot of education required from people like us for for local businesses as to how marketing automation can work for their business. So for me, like marketing automation. It, you should use automation to do the tasks that should be done that you can't trust yourself to do. <laughs> so for me, that's going to be follow, following up with prospects on an, on an ongoing basis, stuff like that. And, and these are things any, any business absolutely positively should have in place. So you need, you need to have a lead capture process in place. So it doesn't matter what you are. I mean, as, if you're a cafe, you can have a QRC code on the menu where if they scan it, they get a free dessert and you've got their details. And then you can follow up with them. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like that there's no business that you can't offer something of value in return for their contact details and then follow up with them in perpetuity, basically. And, you know, am I going to follow up religiously with everybody that comes into my ecosphere? No, I'm not personally, but I'm going to use automation to do that. Do and, you have any tools that are favorites of yours or ones that you yeah. recommend? 
Yeah, so so the t- the two main tools that I use are ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign. Those are the two main tools. So uh, those two combined are pretty much going to give the average business the, the room to grow that they need. So there are cheaper tools out there. There are different. There are free tools out there and stuff like that. But the problem with the free tools is like you're going to outgrow them very quickly. They're not going to scale with your business, and then you're going to be forced to transition into the tool that you should have been in to start with. So don't don't be cheap on on getting these tools because I can I can assure you the pain of the small monthly fee is much less than the pain of having to transition into those tools once you realize that you're in the wrong tool. <laughs> it's like getting a divorce. It's very difficult to transition out of a marketing tool if it's working for you. <laughs> Speaking just solely from the technology side, I can tell you migrating data is not fun across platforms. So I can it's horrible. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that if you can avoid it. Start with the end in mind. Where you know where do you want to be? And it's like for me, ClickFunnels is a Swiss Army knife. It's going to pretty much do everything that you want it to do. And if it doesn't, there's an integration that, that you can, you can add to it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to outgrow click funnels. And I'm, if I do, that's going to be a good problem to have. Right. It's like, you know, that's going to be a great problem to have because I've, I've got to such a point. It's like now my business is so, so big that I need something more sophisticated. Like that's a problem that, you know, there's quality problems and there's trashy problems. That's a quality problem. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hire somebody to handle that migration, so the headache is transferred. <laughs> yeah, and look, you know, it's like it's a Swiss, you know, I'm not a sales guy, I've clicked buttons or anything, but it's a Swiss Army knife as well. So it's like you don't have to keep going out and getting multiple different tools, which are all fifty to a hundred dollars. Basically, everything's in that price range. It seems like in the marketing automation space. So circling back to the marketing plan, just because I'm, yeah. I'm curious, you know, one of the things you talk about, particularly in the beginning of the book, is the importance of of writing things down and sort of you know, having that as a focus point for the businesses that you're advising on how to start developing the marketing plan. What are the, you know, is there like a five-step approach or a three-step approach or something that you sort of talk people through in terms of, you know, when they've never, when they're not familiar with it at all to how to get from there to down on paper that's usable? Yeah. So really, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the first thing we talked about is to identify your 80-20 actions within the business. What are the, what are the high leverage activities that you can be doing on a daily basis so identify those so it's really like who who who's your audience what do they want where do they hang out how do you reach them those are the steps really so who identify who your audience is your best audience identify what it is that they really want because most business owners they, they think they know that but they really don't to be honest with you Create the message, yeah, create the message that resonates with those business owners that gets them responding and then take it to market. It, it's really that simple. It's, it's not that, you know, you, you, it's like we said, it doesn't have to be difficult, right? If you have a stand in the desert selling water, you don't need very complicated marketing to make sales. You, you simply need to communicate that you're selling water. <laughs> it's gonna, it, there's no salesmanship involved and, and it's, really, it's really like that. It's like, you know, identify who, who that best market is and then where, where do they hang out. Before you've got that, once you've got all that stuff, the technical stuff becomes very, very easy. It's not difficult. And I think it's important, you know, you summarize the steps and it's not only to answer those questions for you, it's important to document them. Have it so your entire team can see that. And then I think it's always good to go back to it at the end of every quarter and especially at the end of your year and see if you follow the plan, what deviations you need to make. Yeah. As we're getting ready now to plan for 2021, a lot of businesses are getting in the market and and here's the thing with marketing plans. Sometimes it goes exactly as you had hoped. 
Other times you have a year like 2020 where it just goes out the window and you have to be able to, to, to pivot like that. But it's still important. Yeah. In, in Content Marketing Institute, they had some findings. They found that 89% of B2B marketers use content, but only 37% have documented their strategies. That to me is eye-opening. And it yeah. kind of goes to show that this is still a big problem that a lot of companies are having as we've talked about. So I love, you know, how you sort of outlined it for the audience and to see that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be super hard, but it is something that is, um, that's important for, for all of us. Well, look, you know, it's like set plays win games and, and it's your, it's your, your staple players that win games. It's not the superstar that wins the game. The superstar is what gets the glory or the one that gets the glory. The, it's the defense that wins the game, not the quarterback, right? So that that's that's what people have got to understand. It's like having simple set plays, you know, just get away from shiny object syndrome, get away from flashy stuff. It's like basic set plays is what wins games. And yes, having, having a plan is part of that. So, you know, not your goals are very important, as you say. I mean, when I start working with business owners, a lot of times I'll say, well, where are we going with this? What's the, what's the end game? What's the end result? What are you looking to do? And they'll say, well, you know, I want to build an X million dollar a year business. And then we look at, you know, the machinery that they've got in place. And it's like, it's never going to happen with that, is it? You're selling a $7 product and you want to be at $5 million a year. It's not going to happen, is it? It's like, you know, the, the numbers don't work out. The math doesn't work out. So looking at, looking at the, the end game and saying where you want to be, that again is going to influence a lot of your strategy. It's going to influence a lot of that plan. So uh, when you measure everything against that end game, say, okay, well, I want to be, I want to be at this point at the end of the year. Then, well, you can't focus on your low ticket products. You can't focus on your low your low value products. Or you're going to have to ch- add more value to that product to where you can charge more. Or you're going to have to add some kind of reoccurring element to where you can ex- you can extract a greater lifetime value out of each client to get to that goal. And a lot a lot of people they just haven't figured out. They haven't done the math, basically. They haven't looked at where they want to be and then look at the strategies that they're using and seeing it's just not going to get them there. So, you know, and, and being flexible as well. So when, when you do that, when you look at the end goal and you look at your current situation, be flexible to change. It's like, you know, it's like I said earlier on, you know, I'm an agnostic when it comes to business. I'm outcome orientated. I'm not input orientated. I'm not orientated to a specific product or a specific, you know, way of doing things. I'm, I'm, I orientate towards an outcome and it's like, I will adjust and adjust and adjust the inputs to get to that output. So it, or that outcome. So, you know, if you're just absolutely setting your ways and, and, and a lot of times, I mean, this is a mistake business owners make that, that's worth bringing up is, you know, they want to find a way to make what they're doing that doesn't work, work. And it's like, well, what you're doing doesn't work. <laughs> you know, the progressive thing to do is throw it out and start again. It's like, you know, it's like what, you know, I want to do this. How can I make this work? Well, you haven't made it work yet. It's like, let, let's put something in place that actually is effective because that isn't going to work. So, you know, just, just be prepared to throw stuff out and say, okay, well, that hasn't worked for me. I'm going to throw it out. And, and understand too that, you know, failure is a part of it or, you know, perceived failure is a part of it. You're going to test a lot of stuff that simply doesn't work. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for, for, for decades now and I would say, you know, only one in five things that I do actually work. But I, I fail fast. I throw it out. I don't put a lot of money in testing stuff. I don't spend a lot of time on testing stuff. It's like I put twenty or thirty dollars, hundred dollars into something. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I throw it out, and then I go on to the next thing. That's it. You know, test, test, test. Be flexible, and 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 know your outcome. Know your goals for sure. 
Yeah, I think you stated that very nicely in terms of being results-oriented instead of input-oriented. One of the things we hear constantly is, well, we worked really hard on this. Well, yeah, that, that's assumed, right? We all worked really hard on it, but it, did, it, did it get you the results that you're well, looking for? <laughs> right. Um, how much emphasis do you put on measuring and how to measure the results of it? Because yeah. I, I feel like we constantly hear about businesses that are spending money to raise awareness. And I've always hated that because to no, me, it it's such a nebulous concept. Like maybe you raised awareness, maybe you didn't. But at the end of the day, if it didn't generate a sale, it's not paying the bills. Yeah. So raising awareness is, that's that's the purpose of your content. So I, so I like to reach out with a very direct offer. So it's like, hey, here's what, I, here's what I've got for you. Here's what it'll do for you. Here's how you can get it, or here's how you take it to the next step. So I'm, I'm looking to take a prospect from invisible to visible with the first step of my marketing. The first step of my marketing is not designed to make them aware of everything. The first step is to get somebody to raise their hand and say, yes, I'm in this pool of people that want this solution. I don't necessarily want it from you. I'm not necessarily ready to buy it now, but I'm in the market for this solution from somebody at some time. So that's my initial outreach. So it's like, you know, that that's what I'm doing. So once, once they've raised their hand and said, yes, I'm in that pool of people, then I want to make them brand aware. So I, I would rather spend $100 to get somebody to raise their hand and say, I'm interested, and then spend $5 with remarketing and retargeting and content to show them content, you know, three times a week, than spend $100 you know, carpet bombing, you know, everybody and then spending the $5 to try and, and pull the person out of that, that, that pond. It, it, it doesn't work. You've got to get the person to raise their hand and then use retargeting, email marketing, content marketing to make them brand aware, solution aware, problem aware once they're actually in your universe, because that's going to be very, very inexpensive at that point. Trying to reach everybody is very expensive. When it comes to the analytics part of it, that's such yeah. a huge piece. And it's yeah. not just we shipped it, the messages out there. All right, we did it. Our job is done. It's we hit send. Yeah. There's obviously yeah. that part of it. It's like, okay, well, how did it do? And for me personally, that is my favorite part is because that's where you see, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, did the wins come in? Are we getting leads? Or do we, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, it's not just did we get website traffic or did we get yeah. people that liked it or retweeted it, whatever it is. When you're dealing with businesses, is this an area that you find they just are lacking in the analytics process or they understand it they just don't make time for it It, it's both they don't understand it and they don't make time for it because they don't understand it like to answer the earlier question i mean what should you be measuring like you know my philosophy is if you can't measure it don't do it is my basic philosophy if you can't measure it don't do it so everything can be measured within within a business in terms of marketing how many you know every aspect of the marketing can can be measured if you spend enough time trying to figure it out so anything that's measured improves everything that's measured improves when you start measuring stuff it starts getting getting better so that the, the important things are figure out what are the key metrics in your business so for me, it's going to be how many people opt into my email list? What are my open rates on my email list? What are my click-through rates? You know, what's the consumption of content? And then what's the purchase rate? These, these are probably the five things that, I'm, that are going to be really important to me. So it's a case of figure out what are the important numbers in your business that actually move the dial and then put a process in place. The first place to start with is ask yourself the question, how many people know about me today that want, need, and can pay for my services that didn't know about me yesterday? That is the number one metric in your business that's going to move the needle. And then, then keep going with that. What, how many people know about me this week that didn't know about me last week? How many people know about me this month that didn't know about me last month? My goal personally is to come into contact with 30 people every day 
or introduce myself to 30 people every day that want, need, and can pay for my services that didn't know about me yesterday. So whether that's LinkedIn, direct mail, any cold email outreach, whatever, Facebook, whatever, you know, that, that's a relatively small number. So 30 people, can you connect with 30 people on LinkedIn today? Yes, you can. Can you, can you send five cold emails today? Yes, you can. Can you send a couple of letters today? Yes, you can. When, when you do that five days a week, four weeks a month, say 10 months a year, that's 30 people a day, five days a week, you know, that, that's 900 people a month. That's 9,000, 10,000 people at the end of the year. So if 10,000 people know about me at the end of the year that want, need, and can pay for my services that didn't know about me at the beginning of the year, what's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen to my business? And it's a case of, okay, well, what's the key metric there? It's reaching 30 people a day. So on any given day, at the end of the day, I can look at it and I can say, okay, well, I only reached 20 people today. So if I don't meet my goal at the end of the year, shame on me, it's my fault. You know, so that's a very simple way to get started in the measurement process, the measurement of your marketing. How many people know about you today that didn't know about you yesterday? And then start to work on that number. If you just say, hey, you've got to put a measurement in place for every aspect of your marketing, it's never going to happen because that's just an overwhelming job that, that is, is too complicated. Start very simply and just measure the one most important thing. If there was one thing, one takeaway that any of our listeners that you'd want them to hold on to after listening to this, what would that one takeaway be? So I, I would say, you know, it's it kind of comes comes together but like content is really important because that's going to fall into the category of, of, of follow-up so uh one statistic we haven't talked about which is which is super important is that 50 percent of people that inquire about a product or service or go into a shop or you know 50 percent of those people will buy that product at some point but only i think it's only 15 percent will actually buy within the first 90 days so 85% of your buying universe is actually going to make that buying decision from day 90 and onwards. So that, that's your biggest opportunity right there is understanding that only a very small percentage are actually going to make that decision and make that purchasing decision within the first 90 days. So if you don't have a process in place that follows up and nurtures that prospect and keeps you top of mind with giving them content, giving them email, stuff like that, you're missing out on 85% of the available market out there. A great example. I mean, it's, it's self-evident, really. I mean, somebody that goes into a furniture store, for example, is probably going to buy a new couch at some point, right? But they're not necessarily, they, they might just be shopping right now. They're just doing some research, but they will buy a couch at some point in the next 18 months. If that furniture shop could have a way to actually garner those contact details and then stay in contact, the chances of the purchase coming from that furniture shop become massively, massively improved. So the number one thing is like, you're probably not following up enough. Get a system in place that's going to allow you to follow up over an extended period of time. And obviously that, con that follow-up has to be good quality content that engages the person and keeps them interested in what it is that you're doing. That's great advice. So Cody, this is a happy hour after all. We do like to do more than just talk, talk shop. We have a segment on the show called Keep It Light, which is basically what are you binge watching or reading or listening to these days that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Binge watching. Okay, good, good, good question. So, it, it's interesting actually. I always ask, I ask my, I always ask my clients. I'm like, just put them on the spot. What book is on your desk right now? And it's like for me, it's like it's High Performance Habits by by Brendan Burchard. So you, you're gonna know a lot about you're gonna know a lot about a person. So if I interview somebody or talk to, them, I say, oh, what did you listen to in the car on the way here, or what did you, what, what, what's on your desk right now? High Performance Habits and Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Hev, T. Harbecker. What am I binge watching? Uh, Heartland on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
I'm yeah. personally in the uh, in the midst of uh, and really this kind of came from Chris the Umbrella Academy uh, okay. on Netflix right now. That's kind of my uh, uh, with that. So so tell me a little bit about Heartland because I think I know it, but maybe I'm not too familiar with it. Oh, look, it, it, it's a completely harmless show. Like the, the way I choose to binge watch something is if there's 13 or 14 seasons, that's great because it means I don't have to find something for the next six months. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the first thing I, I look for when I'm looking for a binge is like how many seasons are, if there's just one or two, it's like, nah. <laughs> to Heartland, basically, it's about, it's a story of a family that lives on a farm in Canada. It's like, it's like the Waltons for the 21st century. <laughs> It just well, doesn't challenge me in any way. It's like I can lay there at night. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't provoke me. It doesn't challenge me. I can just sit there and watch it unchallenged and unwind. Sometimes those are the best because they give you a chance to decompress after a long day. I understand that. <laughs> oh, look, I, I love cookery shows. Like, you know, like I love cooking shows because they just don't challenge me. Like if I watch CNN or Fox News, it's going gonna, it's gonna to irritate me. It's going to challenge me and irritate me. And it's like a, a, a cooking show just is benign it doesn't it's not offensive it doesn't challenge me it doesn't you know it, it's just nice you can just sit there and just go ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> except you can't try any of the foods that's that's what offends me sometimes those meals look so good and that is that is a problem yeah that is challenging yeah <laughs> so cody this was a, an absolute blast yeah, thank had you. a great time really glad it. to have you here if people wanted to learn more about you where can they find you okay so cody codybutler.com is one place. Uh, if you're interested in the book, it's on Amazon. Just just Google Cody Butler on Amazon, or you can go to the 90daymarketingplan.biz. And then I'm available on all the usual suspects, Facebook, LinkedIn. And I also have uh, my own podcast, Small Business Marketing Made Easy. So if you want more of this type of marketing advice, Small Business, made, small business Marketing Made Easy podcast. And we'll have it in the notes too. Cody, thank you so much. It was, it was great. And I know it's super early for you. So getting up, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So that was another fun interview, Ryan. What'd you think? You know, I loved all the tips that Cody talks about. And it's something that we have, you know, broken down in previous episodes. So if you haven't listened, starting at episode one, you're going to see hear a lot of the things that we have talked about in the past that Cody brought up. So I thought it was great, the different steps on creating that plan. And it's so important to create a plan, to document it, and you have a better chance of executing that documented uh, marketing plan. So I, I thought it was great. I think everybody, no matter what your experience in, in marketing or running a business is, I thought this was great for those it's a refresher. And if you're just starting off, then this was an episode that you definitely needed to listen to and follow Cody's steps. Yeah, I also like how we talked about that marketing isn't that hard, but it does start with documenting, you know, beginning with the end in mind, documenting the steps necessary, and then repeating that pattern to get there. Those are all really key points. And I think a lot of people, to your point, don't write it down. And if you don't write it down, how do you know if you're following the roadmap? So that'll wrap up another week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. But of course, no episode is complete without the Keep It Light segment. Ryan, what are you binge watching this week? So one thing I haven't seen yet, but I've seen it advertised, I've seen the reviews on it on Netflix is The Social Dilemma. And I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really looking forward to watching it. And I probably at the end of it will want to turn off every social media site that I am on. But uh, that is on next up, queued up on uh, Netflix. What are you uh, listening to or watching, Chris? 
I've heard some good things about that, so it's on my shortlist too, but not quite there yet. I actually stumbled across a show on Amazon Prime called Upload, which it was listed under the comedy section. It's definitely not a comedy, so, I mean, not to say it doesn't have its funny moments, but I wouldn't consider it a comedy. It's it's a little dark in some ways, but it feels not that far off in the future in that you know, individuals in the show are able to upload their consciousness after they die, and so they can continue living in a virtual world, and their loved ones can have video calls with them and things like that. And it's basically the story of this individual who, you know, died at a young age and comes to find out he was murdered and some of his memories were tampered with. And I don't know, a little dark, but definitely interesting. Well, as always, we want to hear from you. Your feedback is essential and we love it. We've heard from you in the past, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram. So please keep it coming. You can also send us an email with your feedback. If you heard something that you loved, if you heard something that you disagreed with, we want to know. So send an email to podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. If you're new to the, the listening to the podcast, please reach out to us on social media. So many of you have. You can hit me up on LinkedIn, Ryan Smith Marketing, or on Twitter and Instagram. The handle's the same. It's Ryan Smith FLA. Yeah, it really is a joy for us. Ryan and I actually do respond to every single message we receive, whether it's email or social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Chris Casale. Uh, you can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And I'm on Twitter as well at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We hope it will enlighten your day. After all, this is our mom's favorite podcast. And after this week, we hope it's Cody's mom's favorite podcast, too. Hope everybody has a great day, and thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxam at A-R-A-X-A-M dot com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits In My Pocket by Jazzer, you can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>